Continuing our fall camp coverage a week into fall camp. Continuing our fall camp coverage on Locked on Longhorns. We have takeaways from each position group a week into fall practices. And today is August 10th, which means it is Colin Simmons Day. You are Locked on Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. And on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are giving you takeaways from each position group on the Texas football team a week into fall practice, courtesy of Inside Texas. And in the last segment, Colin Simmons, one of the biggest recruiting battles involving the University of Texas in a long time. He makes his commitment decision today. All of that and more on today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are getting closer and closer to the first game against Rice in DKR on September 2nd. I think yesterday was Jonathan Brooks Day. So yesterday was 24 days away. So that would make today 23 days away. I don't know. It's hard to keep up with, right? I never know where I am on the tracker. I just know I'm excited uh, for this Texas football team to take the field again on September 2nd. And then, of course, seven days later, they travel to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. One of the biggest Texas football games any of us has ever seen is taking place in less than a month. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, this was on Monday, I believe, that Eric Nalin from Inside Texas wrote this article, um, just giving takeaways from the first week of Longhorn practices in the fall. And I think that's the best way to look at it. Of course, you know, we get updates, we get Kool-Aid every day, right? But not much changes on a daily basis in terms of fall practice. So it's best to look at it from either a holistic perspective or what has changed from week to week, right? Because day to day, you're going to hear the same stuff, right? Quinn Ewers looks good. Everybody on the team looks good, right? So we're giving takeaways from each position group. And then, of course, like I said, at the end, we're talking about Colin Simmons and his decision set to be made today. So we're starting with quarterback might be the most important position in sports. Definitely the most important position on the football field. And Texas has a really good one in Quinn Ewers. We have three really good ones in Malik Murphy and Arch Men. But Eric Nalin had two takeaways. And the first one is Quinn Ewers offseason maturation is real. And the second one is Quinn Ewers has been the most consistent passer, right? So you could talk about uh, how talented, you know, Malik Murphy and Arch Manning are and their pedigree and all of that. But so far, and this is the way it should be, Quinn Ewers has been the most consistent passer. And that's why he will be quarterback one when Texas takes the field on September 2nd against Rice. But I want to talk about his offseason maturation. And we've talked about it a lot, you know, um, but I think when we talk about Quinn Ewers needing to be better next year. I've said a million times on the podcast, maybe a million and one, right, that he has to make that transition from talented gunslinger to franchise quarterback. You know, last year he was a very talented quarterback with a lot of arm talent, but at times he looked aloof. You know, at times he looked like he didn't care too much and he didn't look like a leader, right? He didn't look like somebody who could carry a team or somebody that teammates would want to go to war with behind, right? That seems to be different this year. We've heard JT Sanders saying, I don't know what it was about the mullet, but he's just different. He's carrying himself different. We heard it directly from Quinn Ewers himself when he said last year was a disappointment. He felt like he let the University of Texas, his teammates down, himself down, his family and his friends, everybody down, right? We heard, you know, at Big 12 Media Days when Jordan Whittington said that, you know, Quinn Ewers kind of snapped on the team and said, you know, when I say something, listen, like we're going to do it my way. 
and the team didn't, you know, moan or groan or, you know, roll their eyes. They did what Quinn Ewers told them to do, right? Because he is the leader and they're going to follow him into battle. We heard, I think, from Chip Brown where, you know, Coach Beckton, our strength and conditioning coach, had them running uh, suicides and they had to do 10 of them. And it's something that nobody on the team likes to do, right? And Quinn Ewers stood up and said, Coach Beck, we have 12 games. Why don't we do two more? And everybody got in line and did two more, right? There was no moaning and groaning or side-eyeing or, damn, Quinn, why you got us running more, you know? They respect Quinn Ewers. They're ready to go into battle, and they feel like if they go into battle with Quinn Ewers, they are going to come out on top. That is the maturation we're seeing, and that is why we think that he'll be a lot better this year and this Texas football team will be a lot better because we can sit here and say all day, well, he was a true freshman last year essentially, and in his second year, he's going to be better. All quarterbacks get better in the second year of Sark system, but that's not guaranteed for Quinn Ewers, right? I think that happens on an individual basis. I think he's in a better situation than he was last year, but him being better, you know, on the field, of course, that's going to come with better footwork, you know, more accuracy, better timing. But a lot of that is going to come from the mental, right? Him wanting to be great and him taking the steps to be great. And it seems like from a leadership perspective, he has done just that this offseason. Expect big things from quarterback one, Quinn Ewers, on September 2nd and for the remainder of the season. Running back, you know, we've kind of tried to figure out all offseason how uh, the running back carries would be divvied up. We know that we have a lot of talent in that room and we want to see almost everybody in that room featured right this season. And so I think that's a sharp choice and Steve Sarkeesian have a tough battle on their hands. But it seems like, at least for right now, it just got a little bit easier. Right. And it didn't have anything to do with what's actually happening on the field. So we heard pretty much since the first practice that Savion Red has kind of been in the doghouse. And the initial reason I heard was that he came into practice out of shape. Maybe that's still the reason. Not sure. Right. But it does not seem like Savion Red is in good favor uh, with this coaching staff right now. And we remember last season where he didn't feel like he was utilized as much as he should have been. And I don't disagree with him. Right. I think Savion Red and Brennan Thompson could have brought a lot to this football team last year. I think Casey Kane being utilized more last year would have brought more to this Texas football team. But nonetheless, it happened. Right. We can't go back and change it. But we saw last year kind of that fiery attitude from him when he cussed out Brennan Marion live on national TV, right? And it seems like, you know, he is coming to maybe camp, you know, this offseason out of shape, maybe has rubbed some members of the coaching staff or teammates uh, the wrong way. And I think that fiery personality and attitude that makes him great, right, that makes him special and hard to stop on the football field, maybe getting in his way off the field. So, you know, I hate to see any player in the doghouse. I think Savion Red is a hell of a talent. But like Eric Nalene said, when you have players like Cedric Baxter and Jonathan Brooks doing everything the right way, when you have players like Keelan Robinson, who is a rock on this football team and will do everything it takes to win, when you have Jaden Blue, who might be one of the most explosive players on this football team all ahead of you, you got to do everything the right way to come in and get snaps and get playing time. And when you show up to camp out of shape, that shows that you're unserious, at least at this point, right? It, it is a privilege to play at the University of Texas. It is not a right. It is a privilege. And so far, it seems this offseason, Savion Red has not taken that seriously, and he is in the doghouse right now. Hopefully, that figures itself out going into the season because I would love to see Savion Red on the field, even in the midst of a super talented running back room. At wide receiver, Isaiah Nayor trending towards pre-ACL form. And he looks good right now. Obviously, he's not all the way back yet. And you never know how long it's going to take a player to fully come back off an ACL injury, even if you're fully cleared and the doctors say you're ready to go how confident are you you know jumping up for 50 50 balls how confident are you when the game actually starts cutting you know on a dime going in and out of cuts right uh you know catching the ball you know 
playing within contact, right? That's a big step for players coming off an ACL injury, and it doesn't happen overnight unless you're Adrian Peterson, right? You come back eight months later and win an MVP. But outside of that, you know, him being a freak, right? Everybody else is human, and it takes time. I mentioned on the podcast being a Cowboys fan, and it didn't feel like even though he was healthy all year and medically cleared, that Michael Gallup looked the same coming off that ACL. And maybe this is the year where he looks like pre-ACL form. So I think it'll take Isaiah Nayor some time to be the player that he was at Wyoming. But I definitely think by the time the season starts and as we get into conference play, he'll be comfortable enough to make plays for this Texas football team. And we know we've heard all the, you know, the tea leaves and the rumblings that we will use a lot more four wide receiver sets or just use four wide receivers more than we have ever had at the University of Texas, especially in the Steve Sarkeesian era. So, you know, we expect to see Jordan Whittington, A.D. Mitchell and Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah Nayor, Xavier Worthy a lot. But then I expect Isaiah Nayor and John Tay Cook to have big roles behind them as well. They're too talented to keep off the field. But just good to see Isaiah Nayor coming back off that ACL and ready to contribute, period. You know, that's an injury um, that takes a lot out of players physically and mentally. And to see him come back from that and be ready to contribute to the University of Texas is huge for 2023. On the offensive line, a 50-50 battle at right guard is the biggest takeaway. And we've heard this going back to last year. And I've said on the podcast, this is no disrespect to Cole Hudson, but when you look at DJ Campbell's pedigree, when you look at him being our most talented, highly ranked player, I guess you should say, coming out in the 2022 class, the fact that he has crazy strength, one of the strongest players on the team, but he's also a basketball player, right, playing at that guard position. And we're still talking about a 50-50 battle at right guard in year two. It just concerns me a little bit. You know, I think that uh, DJ Campbell has all the makings to be a dominant guard, right? At that position to be a super athletic guard that can do anything you ask him to do, right? Win blocks, double team, pull blocks, get down the field, get to the second level. Like I, I think he should be dominant in college at the guard position. And we haven't seen it yet. And in year two, we're still talking about DJ Campbell being 50 50 with Cole Hudson. And we don't know which way it'll go. I would not be surprised if Cole Hudson ends up starting again at that right guard spot. What's concerning to me is we remember Kyle Flood said that he had eight offensive linemen he was comfortable going into a game with that could win college football games with right now. And I think that makes all the sense in the world because you have a ton of talent in that room. I didn't think he meant that we would be rotating eight offensive linemen throughout the season. And of course, you're not going to take out, you know, Kelvin Banks or Christian Jones unless you have to or you're up a bunch. Right. But at least from what Eric Nalini said, it seems like there's a real possibility that you might be splitting reps throughout the season with Cole Hudson and DJ Campbell at that right guard spot. And I do not agree with that at all, right? That's what you have nine or eight months of competition for to decide who is better at that spot. Once we get into the season and we determine our five offensive linemen, that needs to be the five offensive linemen barring us being up 28 points in the fourth quarter or injury. We should not be rotating Cole Hudson and DJ Campbell in drive after drive just because they're both talented and we don't want either one to transfer. That's ridiculous to me. Like I said, they've had nine months of competition. They've been competing for two years. On September 2nd, I want to see the better player in there at right guard, bar none. And if it's not DJ Campbell, I'm going to have a lot of questions on what's going on and why that eval hasn't showed up to produce on the field just yet. But whoever it is at right guard, I'm comfortable would be good this year. Just don't please, we are not going into the season with Cole Hudson playing one drive and DJ Campbell playing the next drive, right? Like they say, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. If you have two right guards, you have none. They need to figure it out before September 2nd. 
Both players should be good, but I think DJ Campbell would bring a little bit more to that offensive line. It's no disrespect to Cole Hudson. That's just praise to DJ Campbell. And then at the tight end position, Gunnar Helm is a solid option at tight end too. And we knew something was amiss, right? When Jeff Banks uh, came to his media availability and said, you know, Gunnar Helm might be one of the most improved players on this team. And then we heard that, you know, Gunnar Helm kind of had that fire, a chip on his shoulder because he felt like, you know, he's been here the same amount of time as JT Sanders. He understands the offense just as well as JT Sanders. And he feels like he can, you know, stretch the field and make plays for this Texas football team as well. We know we're going to be transitioning away from, uh, you know, the 12 personnel, at least as much as we ran it last year, we'll still use it. You know, that's one of Sark's bread and butters. Um, but we won't see as many opportunities in 12 personnel this year as we did last year. So I'm not sure how many receiving opportunities Gunnar Helm will have. But from everything we've heard, we can see and, you know, hear that Gunnar Helm has been one of the most, you know, consistent players in camp thus far this offseason he's really taken it upon himself to make himself available to be an asset for this texas football team and i think you know jeff banks and sark will reward him for that so i think he'll get more opportunities in the passing game he only had five or six catches last year i think maybe he can get 10 to 15 this year not sure if that's enough to satisfy his appetite but i definitely think when you're behind you know, an NFL ready tight end, one of the two, three best tight ends in the country with all the talent we have at wide receiver and running back. You just kind of got to get in where you fit in, you know, and hopefully Gunnar Helm can get in where he fit in, fits in, you know, this year, uh, make some really big plays for this Texas football team and hopefully score, you know, a couple touchdowns and just provide a leadership role. Right. He's not going to get more catches than Jay. JT Sanders, he's not going to have a bigger role than JT Sanders. But if he can be that second tight end and contribute in terms of blocking and, you know, being another receiver for this Texas football team, then, you know, I think all's well that ends well. Right. So that is the offensive side of the ball. Our takeaways from the first week of Longhorn practice, a quick word from our sponsors. Then we're going to get into the defensive side of the ball and then talk about Colin Simmons at the end. A big day for all Longhorn fans. Bird dogs make you look good. Bird dog stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. That keeps you cool and dry all day long. You know you need that in this Texas heat. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on college. That's all caps or enter promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on college. Once again, all caps or promo code locked on college for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right, so now we're talking about the defensive side of the ball. And the second takeaway, or the takeaways in the second segment, are Byron Murphy is the leader of the room, right? He is the hardest defensive tackle to keep blocked. He's also the most consistent in the room. You know, Tavondre Sweat, they said he stepped up as a leader as well. But I think Byron Murphy is the most consistent. And in terms of being a vocal leader, but also leading by example, right? We know that he has a crazy motor, and he takes every rep seriously. And that sounds like, okay, everybody should do that, but – Clearly, that's not the case. Right. And so the fact that he goes out there with that motor, that consistency um, and his actual talent. Right. And what he shows on the field, 
I think that, you know, provides huge leadership to the rest of that room. They've said Sadir Mitchell, who had to get an MRI yesterday, you know, praying everything is good with him, has matured a lot since he's been here. And that's mainly been because of the leadership of uh, Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat. So, you know, I wondered why Byron Murphy might have been a preseason Big 12 pick and Tavondre Sweat wasn't. But everything we've heard this offseason kind of lets us know that Byron Murphy might be the big dog, even though Tavondre Sweat is a little bit bigger. Byron Murphy is the big dog right now in that room. He's the best player we have in that room. He's the most consistent player we have in that room. And he seems to be the natural leader and number one in that room right now. Like I said, hopefully Sadir Mitchell is good. Um, there may be some question marks about what Vernon Broughton and Alfred Collins are going to give you. But overall, I think that's a really talented room. And I think they did a really good job going and getting Trill Carter as a reinforcement this offseason in the transfer portal. At Edge, Eric Nalin says probably the biggest positional question mark we have on this team. And that's something I've said all offseason, right? It was interior offensive line and the pass rush, right? Because they were telling us all offseason that we only had one guy. And that was Baron Surreal, right? And then when they had Big 12 media days and uh Pikowski mentioned eight players that could make an impact at that position I was like okay that's a bad sign right when you're just naming everybody on the team and saying they can contribute you don't have a guy right at first we thought it was Justice Finkley and Ethan Burke but it doesn't even seem like that's the case right and Eric Darlene is now reporting after a week of fall camp it seems like Baron Sorrell and then everybody else right there's question marks about the depth even behind Baron Sorrell and of course who starts at him uh, who starts at either Jack or Buck I think it's Jack opposite of Baron Sorrell as well. So a lot of question marks. I think you have a lot of guys that have a lot of talent, but just haven't produced yet or still, you know, young, true freshmen, right? When you look at the 2022 class, we haven't heard a lot about Jare Bledsoe or Jamon Tapp. And, you know, the true freshmen that have come in this year, Colton Vasek, uh, you know, Tassili Akana, whoever it is, maybe they just aren't ready to take a big step. But we know that the three most important positions on a football team are the quarterback, the person that protects the quarterback and the person that rushes the quarterback, right, in terms of pass rush. And I think Baron Sorrell has to have a huge season. Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy have to have huge seasons because it seems like, you know, a la last year, even though Ovia Gofu was really good in the run game, we aren't expecting a ton of production from the other side of Baron Sorrell, right? Whether it's Ethan Burke, Justice Finkley, a combination of the two or the eight players that – uh Pekakowski mentioned rotating, whatever. It just doesn't seem like they're very comfortable with who they have at that position. They're going to have to blitz a lot. They're going to have to manufacture pass rushes. They're going to have to bring Anthony Hill in on third downs, whatever it is, to get a pass rush this year. But it's concerning that you don't have two players on this Texas football team at the edge positions that can go out and win one-on-one blocks and get to the quarterback, right? One-on-one matchups and get to the quarterback, you know, and that's why we need a player like Colin Simmons, who we'll talk about in the next segment. But nonetheless, I think that's something that we're going to be talking about all year, the pass rush or lack thereof. And hopefully it's not something that, you know, leads to us losing football games this year that Texas should win. At the linebacker position, David Bender is your likely starter at will. And we know this Texas team favors experience. I think Anthony Hill is the more talented linebacker. And I'm, you know, kind of a fan of just putting players out there and letting them figure it out. Now, obviously, this is a big season. So if Anthony Hill was a liability, you wouldn't want to put him out there. But I don't think Anthony Hill is a liability. Right? I think Anthony Hill is a really good and really talented football player. And I think he's talented enough as a five star and the 17th overall player in the country that if you put him out there, he would figure it out and be an asset for this Texas football team. But nonetheless, David Bender is somebody who has a lot of experience. David Bender is somebody who is now in his third year in Pete Kukowski's system, and you can't 
understate, you know, what that means in terms of experience and familiarity, you know, compared to Anthony Hill, who hasn't even been on campus for a full year now. So, you know, I understand why David Bend is in there. There's this staff, you know, values experience. And I think experience is key. You know, I love to see what role Anthony Hill will be in. I still think at some point in the season, he will take over that starting role. I'm super bullish on him. I've said he will win SEC Defensive Player of the Year someday. That's not even a bold or hot take. You know, I just think Texas will be really good, and I think he'll be the best player in the SEC. I'm that high on him. So David Bender starting at will, I have no problem with that. Like I said, he has the experience. He's been in the system three years, and I think with all the talent around him on the defensive side of the ball, he should perform at a high level. But I think eventually Anthony Hill is going to be too talented and too productive to keep him off the field, regardless of the experience gap between David Bender and Anthony Hill. Corner nickel depth is a strength. We've talked about that on the podcast where we have a really strong starting rotation right now with Terrence Brooks, uh, John A. Barron, and Ryan Watts, right? That group gives me a lot of confidence that they can go into the season and perform at a high level. If you took all three of them off the team, I would not be nearly as confident in that room as I am now, but I would still be confident in that room that we could go out there and win football games. When you talk about just the depth, right? Malik Muhammad, Austin Jordan, Jalen Gilbo, Gavin Holmes, all at that cornerback position, right? I think you have seven corners that you could rely on in games this year in route to hopefully a Big 12 championship and possibly a college football playoff appearance. So, you know, we talk about, you know, the depth and the talent in that wide receiver room, but maybe corner has a little bit more in terms of overall depth. When you have seven corners, Seven cornerbacks who could step on the field this year and make plays for the Texas football team. That's unheard of. Terry Joseph has done a really good job quietly of recruiting that room and bringing a lot of talent to that room. And I think that's going to be an asset and a strength for the Texas football team this year, not just the starters, but the rotation they can bring in and not lose too much production or talent, a crazy talented room. And they should provide a lot for the Texas defense this year on the back end. And then the last takeaway we have at the safety position, we can't talk enough about Jalen Catalan on this podcast and clearly inside Texas can't either. Jalen Catalan moves as well as ever before compared him to Quandre Diggs, right? Just a short uh, stocky player that has great downhill speed and a ton of instincts. And one thing I didn't know, I'm glad that he pointed it out is that Texas safeties only had one interception last year, and it didn't come until the 13th game of the season against Washington. Now we know that Jaron Thompson was in position to catch a lot more picks. He just didn't, right? He didn't catch them, right? So hopefully he does that a lot more this season. But I think Jalen Catalan is the type of player that, that could easily go out and get you two interceptions in one game, right? Where our safeties only had one interception the whole season last year, right? So, you know, Jalen Catalan, we've talked about it a, a ton, of, you know, on this podcast. All he has to do is stay healthy, Right. He can do literally everything on the field. He is a force multiplier, a leader, right? Football IQ out of this roof, the instincts, the way he plays, the way he comes down and puts fear in opposing offenses, the way he can play zone or man coverage, the way that he can come down and help and run support. He can blitz the quarterback. He is literally a modern safety that can do everything. And he just makes everybody around him better with his ability to play that safety position and kind of take away everything on the back end. So if he plays 10 plus games for this Texas football team this year, I've said it a million times. I'll say it a million and one. This Texas defense will be borderline elite. A quick word from our sponsors. And then we're getting into Colin Simmons. A big decision will be made today that will affect the Texas football team, maybe for years to come.
Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Take some time to finish FanDuel and include money lines, props, etc. around your team. All right, as I mentioned, it's Colin Simmons Day. He will be making his uh, commitment decision today on August 10th, and this is something we have been waiting for for a long time. And I have to say, this has been a fun recruitment for me. Now, it has been uh, very, you know, anxiety-filled, I should say. It's been a lot of anxiety, but I kind of like that. You know, I've talked about this on the podcast a lot that I don't like the way recruiting is set up now. You know, I miss the days where we didn't know where a kid was going right before they announced. Now it seems like a month before the kid announces, Oh, he's going to Texas. We already know. Right. And that's just not fun for me. And it's probably not fun for the kid and the family, but you know, whatever, (laughs) that's just the current state of recruiting. But as we get into this decision day, you know, I think Texas has picked up a little bit more smoke the last couple of days, but it still feels 50, 50. Like I still really do not know where Colin Simmons is going, right? I can't come out here and say I expect Colin Simmons to commit to Texas today because I really don't know. If he commits to LSU today, I will not be surprised. If he commits to Miami today, I will not be surprised, right? And I think that is what's missing in recruiting. But I understand all of the people that have had anxiety over this for the last month trying to figure out when he will announce and when he does announce where he will be going. But we'll find out today around 2 p.m. Central. And, you know, I've talked about it on the podcast a bunch of times, but this would just be a huge recruitment win for the University of Texas, one of the biggest in the last decade. And it kind of reminds you of the Arch Manning decision, right? Even though Arch Manning's recruitment looked way different than Colin Simmons' recruitment, you knew that when you got Arch Manning into that recruiting class, everybody would want to come play with Arch. And we saw the Arch effect, right, where you jumped from like 22 to like three in like two weeks because everybody just started committing to Texas saying, yeah, I want to play with Arch Manning, right? Colin Simmons is that same type of force multiplier where if he commits to Texas, other players are saying, damn, look at what they're doing with that 2024 recruiting class. Look at what they're building on the 40 acres. I want to go play with them as well. We've talked about how he would be the, it would be the first time that, you know, Texas got the best player in Texas since 2018 with Caden Stearns. It would be the, highest ranked player even though he's moved down a little bit at the time he was like sixth in the country it would be the highest ranked player texas has brought in since uh outside of arch manning since jonathan gray right even though they moved him down to 27 i'm still factoring in as if he's like a top five top six recruit right why because i can you know and he would be the highest ranked defensive recruit at the university of texas since malik jefferson right that tells you that we have not brought a player in to the university of texas in terms of Colin Simmons caliber in a long time, right? We're talking about right now, less than a month away from the season. We don't know who's going to start opposite Baron Sorrell and pass rush might be the biggest concern for this Texas football team. We need a player like Colin Simmons. And if you let him go to LSU, you're going to end up playing against him every year (laughs) until he goes to the NFL. And he has all the makings of a dominant pass rusher in college, a first round draft pick and potentially a dominant pass rusher in the NFL as well. This is the type of player that Texas needs to bring in, get on campus and have, you know, have contribute for them in the SEC. Right. Because like I 
talented. We've struggled to recruit talented, dominant players at the edge position like Colin Simmons. And those are the type of players that win in the SEC and two at some point. And we've done a better job over it since Steve Sarkeesian took over. But you have to take back Texas, right? Texas, California and Florida are the three biggest hotbeds for recruiting in the country. You cannot win in the state of Texas if all the best players in the state of Texas leave to go elsewhere or go to Texas A&M, right? Texas will never reach their full potential if they can't lock down Texas. We've already seen the number one linebacker in the country out of the state of Texas go to Georgia. We've already seen one of the best corners in the country out of the state of Texas go all the way to Clemson. You cannot allow Colin Simmons in your backyard to go to LSU or to go to Miami. He needs to be in a burnt orange and white jersey. And regardless of what decision is made today, this commitment, this recruitment will go all the way down to December. But nonetheless, in December, they need to make sure Colin Simmons is signing on that dotted line to play at the University of Texas. And that starts with his decision today. I am not, you know, pulling. I am not lying to you. I am not withholding information I am not being discreet. I promise you, I do not know what decision Colin Simmons is going to make today. And that makes it fun, right? Anxiety in recruiting should be fun. I'll say it, say it all the time, say it a million times. I'm not actually going to say what I want to say, right? But recruitments like this are fun, right? And we need more recruitments like this. And hopefully our anxiety ends at about 2 p.m. Central today when Colin Simmons picks the Longhorns. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hook them. You are locked on. I'll get better at this one day. Hook them. Peace.